Welcome to Sunday Sessions Volume 2, Black History Moment, featuring New Jack. Born January 3, 1963, in Atlanta, Georgia, Jerome Young, who would later be known as New Jack, was trained by Ray Candy and debuted in 1992. As a controversial figure and professional wrestler, he gained notoriety and fame in ECW, CZW, and TNA Wrestling. In the early 90s, soon after his debut, New Jack would go on to form a tag team called The Gangsters, where he and Mustafa Saeed would engage in long controversial angles as a tag team through the Smoky Mountain region and Tennessee-based promotions. In one of their longest feuds, featuring the Rock and Roll Express with Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the NAACP locally would picket their performances because of the gangster gimmick. The NAACP claimed that no racial violence had occurred in Tennessee for many years, and they felt that New Jack and Mustafa Saeed's gimmick would contribute to racial violence or a change in racial tensions in the area, although all of these claims were unfounded. In 1995, the Gangsters left the Smoky Mountain region and joined the Philadelphia-based ECW promotion. ECW was known for pushing boundaries and having an extreme hardcore style, which fit with the tag team excellently. They won the ECW Tag Team Championships twice before Saeed unfortunately was fired in 1993. We thank New Jack for his contributions to professional wrestling and contributing a unique legacy to this beautiful, brutal art. Hello, everybody. I am Ronnie Big Bang Nicole, the Joshi Queen Supreme, and we are back with Sunday Sessions. Sunday Sessions are real, raw, unfiltered conversations that deal with professional wrestling and the experience of Black wrestlers and wrestlers of color. We have these conversations to enlighten, to educate, and to inspire. Please always support local indie wrestling and please support Black wrestlers. I am here today with the Divine One, Olivia Divine. I'm here with DM Kiddo and with the legendary King Silverback, Mr. Ali Steele. Thank you guys for being with me on Sunday Sessions. And thank you guys for taking time to talk with me about our topic today, which is going to be mental health. We know health is wealth, and we know that mental health definitely factors into every aspect of what we do as entertainers. So throwing it to you guys, I know that this is something that's kind of come into the wrestling culture more recently, and I would say recently as within the past five to six years. But when you broke in, what was the environment like around mental health and how was it depicted and how did you handle it as an entertainer? I'm going to throw it to Ali first. Well, when I, when I first came in, it was it was 2000, late 2000. Um, I'm going to be real with you. It was kind of non-existent. Um, as a wrestler coming in, you know, you had uh, you had trainers and, and people that were working side by side and it really was no, literally no support, no, uh, for not for mental health. You know what I mean? It was the, it was kind of like the fellas, you know what I'm saying? Even the girls were the fellas. It was like, uh, you knew of a couple people that may have had individual issues but it wasn't anything that was supported in the business. Not that I knew of. Um, you know, you had a couple guys that you kind of knew acted a little strange or whatever. Uh, there was just a lot of, there's a lot of self-medicating. You know what I mean? Um, I was taught, you know what I'm saying? You don't desecrate the ring with, with, 
with drugs and stuff like that before you go out. Now afterwards, you could do what you wanted to do, but while you were in the ring, you know, that was that was a no-no. But then when I first broke out and actually started going to shows by myself, you would see uh, people getting getting zooted before they would go out. Um, then you would hear the little stories, but it was like legend. It was, le- you know, stuff of legend. It wasn't really anybody that was sitting right next to you and saying, oh, I'm going to see a therapist, you know, or I have a, you know, I have an appointment or a meeting. It was just like, you're not tough enough to do this. Get out, basically. Um, and as far as us, non-existent. I mean, literally, there was nothing. You know what I mean? It was nothing. You either had it or you did not have it. And if you couldn't take it, you sat home on the weekend. You didn't. You didn't get booked if you didn't perform. Like there wasn't a. There was no outreach for you. You know what I mean? Like you either could do it or you couldn't. And if you had an issue, you had to overcome it. Uh, and I think that's where the self medication came in. Um, yeah, yeah, that's where the self medication came in. I didn't really ever feel any. I didn't start feeling any kind of mental health issues until I got older, you know, and it wasn't even revolving around, around the wrestling thing because it was so competitive that it was hell. The wrestling business in itself was like a drug because you knew when I'm going to this show, like I got to do it, especially, and we all know it. We know when we're going to shows, where there's not going to be too much competition on there. And we knew in competition as in, who has done some of the things, who can perform with me, who can't perform with me, that kind of stuff. And that's where I think stress and mental health really, I saw it. I started seeing it affecting people. People that you would see were one way when we first came in and then midway through, life has hit them. Marriage has hit them. Kids have hit them. Like real life stuff has hit them. and depression, and you can now that I know what I'm looking for, you can kind of see the depression. You can see the the uh, all the little uh, anxiety and people, you know, because when we came out, I came out I was a bull. It was just like it is what it is. Uh, nobody, and I think that's what it was for me though. That just made it real, you know, and it was an outlet, you know. And that's how I kind of dealt with it. But, you know, when you get older, you know better, you do better. And now I'm looking at people and I just, oh, man, and you kind of reach out. But still, what is there? What is there right now? Mental health wise for us. Like, it's still a question. It's a, it's a question mark, big question mark right now. Right. Wrestlers, especially, and I think entertainers also require a different type of help because of how our minds work and because of the our draw to this type of environment. DM, I saw you uh, nodding. Same question to you. What was your experience? Well, for me, I got in, started initial training in 2011, uh, really started picking up like summer 2012 here and uh, started in Philadelphia. So big wrestling city. Um Trained at CZW, so knowing what most people know about that culture, coming in also as someone who had a pretty good grip, at least at that time frame, of mental health, I was already personally in therapy, had been in therapy for quite some time at that point. I felt personally I had a good grip, but 
coming in wrestling does this thing to us and specifically like I never had any problems with like not having black people surrounding me like me getting here the whole class before me was pretty much black dudes my age so like I came in um, and I just I already had a support system um one of the main bookers there is uh still to this day one of my like biggest inspirations a black man so I never had like a lot of us go through this thing where we just don't have people in place. I had very strong, very positive black role models, but wrestling does this thing. Even somebody like me who thought they had it all together where they can just tear you down. I come from a sports background. Like I was a post-college athlete. I ran like, I did Olympic trials. I played football for a D1 school. Like, and I had never really failed at anything until it like came to wrestling training. So for me, my biggest mental issue was, I don't know if I'm good at this. I've never really been bad at anything. Not that I was even bad at wrestling, just the training, like who was training didn't work well for me. And so I would physically break down after training and just bawl my eyes out on a regular basis. And I had nobody to run to because everybody in wrestling, you know, we're big old tough macho men. We're not allowed to express feeling. We're not allowed to show anything. And I don't come from that background where you were supposed to hide these things. I'd been, I'd gotten to a place in my life where I was like, all right, it's cool. But now I'm here in wrestling and I'm being told, don't do that. You're showing weakness. And for me and for years, it just ate at me and ate at me until I just started breaking myself down. I just didn't believe any of the talent, any of the things that brought me to where I was. I just started doubting and it just literally it was crippling for years being told all these terrible things and not really having anyone around me in the sport that had a grip on mental health because where I was at, everybody was coping with drugs and that wasn't my thing. They were going out drinking like crazy. Like I'll have a cocktail, but going out and drinking my sorrows away wasn't my thing. And so like, my coping me mechanism, and it sounds so terrible thinking back now, was like putting myself down. You're not good enough, so where you're at is just fine. Like you'll never be good, so just be okay with just you're existing right now, and that's all you're gonna be able to ever do. And for years, I wanna say, Lord, at least seven, eight years, that's where I was. And it just was, yeah, that's, just didn't have it, didn't have anybody. And it took until recently to really go, nah, like this is what you do for a living. There's no reason that you should be succumbing to this other thing. When you wake up every day and you help people on a regular basis with mental health, like, this is your job. You shouldn't be the person to be succumbing to this because you know better. Right. So that's kind of my story. Olivia, for you as a woman, I know that we have a little bit of a different experience, especially. Um, as Black women in the business. So how has it been? <laughs> I see you shaking your head already. <laughs> and I'm not laughing because it's funny. It's just like, we, we all have the same story. And I know I'm going to hear at least three or four things that have happened to me as well, because that's just the reality of our experience at this point. That's what I'll say at this point. So what has been your, you know, connection and relationship with this 
Well, I started um, back in 2009. And back then, it wasn't really a lot of schools. It was really hard to find. The only school I could come across was High Spots, which is where I'm at now. But back then, they were like $1,000. And I was 20. Ain't no 20 year old can, I didn't know how to come up with that kind of money at the time. I was working at Pizza Hut. But also, you know, I found, I worked at Pizza Hut, I found somebody who knew somebody. But, you know, what, what it's called now is called outlaw schools, where they think they know wrestling, they try to train you, and really it's not. It's kind of, but it's not. That's where I found myself at. And I just wanted to do it so bad that I didn't, I just didn't understand. I didn't know. So I, I did, I stayed there for like nine years just because they mentally had me. It was kind of like a cult. Kind of like it's one of those things where they mentally convince you that you can learn everything there. You don't need to go anywhere else. And I, you know, for a long time, I would try to leave and they'll bring me back. And me having a background prior to that where I, I didn't have a support system before I got there. I don't have a close relationship with my parents. I don't have a support system at all with my family. So I'm, I am my support system, but when you're 20, you don't, you don't know, but what, all you know is what you know. Right. So you know, I found myself with a bunch of white guys. There was one black guy, but he was like the white guys. So I didn't have any females to go to that could understand me as a black woman. There was wives there, but they were white <clears throat> and their lifestyle is different. So if I had issues, and try to go to them, it's like to some extent as a woman, yeah, they can give me some advice, but there are certain experiences that they couldn't really, it's like, it's like they got it, but didn't, it's like they couldn't really understand it, I guess. So, uh, you know, it's hard. I was, like I would go to the guys and you'll find some guys that was kind of understanding and they had some where they were just like, oh, just get over it. It's like, get over it. You know, don't be, you know, that this is wrestling. You got to be tough. And over Toughen time, up cupcake. Huh? Toughen up cupcake. Yeah, basically. I mean, they didn't say it that way, but more or less, yeah. I did find myself eventually gravitating that way, though. because And honestly, it was natural for me to do that anyway, because again, the way my background prior to that, you know, I didn't have the best upbringing, so that was natural for me to do it anyway. But when you meet new mm -hmm. people, you always, want that, you always hope that maybe you'll get that support that you didn't get, but when I ran into that, I was like, okay, well, I really want this wrestling, so suck it up. So it was natural for me to do that, which to me personally is unhealthy, but you know, it was at that time it was natural for me just to suck it up. And I did, you know, I got beat up, I got, you know, I've been injured, hurt, you know. I, but I, I also wrestled men all the time. So it was just, well, you're one of the guys. So I had to constantly remind myself, you want the guys, you want the guys, until they want to have sex with me. But then I had to say, nah. But you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but again, I stayed the same place for nine <laughs> years. So <laughs> it was maybe the same guys I've known for five years. And still, they want they, they didn't want a relationship. They just want to have sex with me. But they would try to manipulate me into thinking it's one way. But you know, I wasn't stupid. So, but you know, when I did have breakdowns or if I had moments where I was feeling down, it's like they didn't care as men. But when the men had issues with each other, they were all suppressions for each other. So it was like. You know, I always just found myself almost like an outcast because I, I couldn't really, I just didn't have nowhere to go. Like the one black person that was there, to some extent I could talk to him, but then certain situations, he will have a man response. It's like, get over it. So it really, there was a hit and miss with him. So, but when I left and went to high spots, 
you know, there is a more support system. There's top line people, but even in that aspect, even though there's more women, then you got to watch your back because you can't trust the women either. So it's like, where do you go? You know, and especially if, you know, if it's the white women, you don't know, but the black women, you don't know because they're black women, like they got to compete with each other. So that's an issue. Black women I see as a threat, per se, but if you're prettier than them, that's when you're a threat. So it's like, no matter where you go, there's nobody you really can talk to unless you roll buddies with somebody and y'all connected. So it's and just even then <laughs> that can betray you so quickly. Oh yeah. So yeah, quickly. you gotta be careful with roll buddies. Yeah. Sometimes they gravitate towards you because like me, I'm a good, I'm a good listener. So people don't mind telling me their life story and their, you know, everything, little closet stuff. You know, I ain't about to repeat it. I don't care. I don't mind listening. I try to give the best advice I can give. But, and you would think with all that, you know, you share, there's a connection there. But in reality, they just want somebody. Some people can bid to somebody and not really care about you. They just want to talk to somebody. It's like talking to a bartender. You're never going to see them again or a cab driver. Sometimes it's kind of like that. And you'll think there's a connection. You think you're close. But then when it's, when it's time to, you know, get booking, suddenly if you don't, if they don't benefit from you, but they benefit over here with somebody else. That's when you start feeling yourself drifting apart. And it's like, you know, and you'll even, even if you care enough to say, hey, what's going on? You know, are you mad at me? Whatever. Oh, no, it's nothing. And then just, you still, you know. So I, I just kind of stick to, I stick to myself a lot. Like I'm yeah. cool with people, but I, I also understand everybody has expiration dates. So I just kind of move on. When people start moving funny, I move to the left because I have better things to do than keep trying to beg people to, you know, be my friend or be my sister, this sister who is, I don't, I just, I just, you know, I try not to be in that negative mindset, but unfortunately with the type of environment that we're in, we all try to go to the same place. Even though we shouldn't be competition, unfortunately we are, because who's going to get booked, you or me? So it's like, it's not going to be you, it's going to be me. So, you know, it's, it's just, it, I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot it of work. Yes, I've been doing years. I've learned so many things just the hard way, though. So, well, I definitely think that the hard way applies to people who have the ability to take something from that, not necessarily painting you as the unbreakable black woman, because that's a whole nother episode. But the reality is, is there are certain circumstances that the jewels of the lessons and the experiences that we have that is what literally breaks the cycle because we are gonna be the ones to not do that. We would be the ones to offer that support and change the narrative around that type of thing because we have the power to, and because we experience that loss of connection or you know lack of connection and not being able to, to find someone that we turn into those people for others. Ali, I saw you wanted to, um, to jump in. Well, I was just gonna mention that um she's getting it from all sides you know what i mean she's she's walking into most most locker rooms and i had the pleasure of seeing her a couple of weeks ago and um i think it was rocket no it was wadesboro she was in there again with <laughs> with uh, about three other girls uh ladies and um i was really like wow she is tall. Like, I was like, why haven't I seen her work? Like, where the hell have I been? Like, I don't understand it. I was, and she, you know, of course she had a divine name. So I was like, 
I wonder if Michael knows her. You right. Know? I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I saw her flip the switch and I said, ooh. Mm. I said, ooh, she's something special. But um, you get it from all different different angles. Um, you're a minority. You're a black, you're a black woman. You're also, you know, so when you walk in and then you then on the other side, you walk in and get to look like, oh wow. She's so major because, because of your stature. You know what I mean? You, you're looking down on, on the guys. And they're like, oh, man, she's going to take my spot here. You know what I mean? And that's me coming in, honestly. Um, they're talking about support systems. I envy. I envy him for talking about him having so many black people around him. I had Eddie Brown. <laughs> I had Eddie Brown. And he we told me I wasn't. Eddie Brown. We both had and, Eddie Brown. And he told me I wasn't going to be shit from, from training. So I was like, okay, I'm going to whoop your ass one of these days. And it happened like not even six months later. So it is what, I, it, is what it is. But um, phenomenal worker. But mentor in this business, I didn't have, I can't really, you know, um, I met Caprice Young when I first, when I was young in the business, cold cash. Honestly, man, them two guys were phenomenal. Not one time that I feel an envious bone because they were securing who they were. So they were in the back. I wasn't even working. I just was back because I was a trainee. They were telling me, giving me hints, giving me tips, telling me what I needed to do, how I needed to work on the gimmick, if I was going, what kind of gimmick, maybe I should. I mean, shooting out nothing but gems to just a newcomer, some green kid, right? Then I'm looking over here and I'm going, I can't get that from anybody else. And I'm talking black, white, or indifferent. I mean, it was, you got it from nobody. And, uh, and I guess it's just because it's a cutthroat business. That's what I kept getting. Oh, it's a cutthroat business, man. Um, you're only going to get maybe one good friend in this business. So I tried to change that ratio a little bit because um, I did like a almost 11 years of singles wrestling and no tag team and just singles. And uh, it's kind of tough going in the locker room, sitting, everybody's looking at you. And I had a, I had a, a little bit of a reputation you know what I mean? Because I was coming out of CW's camp, so everybody was wanting to see if I was going to be what they had, what they were expecting. Um, so you had to prove it every time you went out there. Now, without a support system, honestly, and nobody telling you, "Oh, you did okay," or "You did the drizzling shits," or "Hey, man, you did phenomenal," you kind of develop a little tough skin on yourself because you start taping your own stuff. And you start looking at your own stuff and you start critiquing hard. And you had to you kind of had to learn to be your own support system when it came down, when it came down to it. But that is kind of why I do what I do now. Um actually at that show, it was me and Derek. And um I kind of wanted to uh talk to some of the younger people because like right now. I have a couple people that inbox me and I told them, if you ever need a, if you ever have a question, you ever have a wonder, 
because I'm one of those people, man. I am not about to mislead anybody. And I'm going to give you the honest of what I have been through. And if you give me the scenario, I'm going to give you the honest of what I think is going on at the time. Um, because this mm-hmm. business, they, huh? You hit on something that we were going to talk about next is being honest and getting feedback yeah. that actually helps you and doesn't tear you down. So raise your hand if you ever went to a vet for feedback and they gave you terrible advice and it was intentional. Hey, I don't know if it was intentional or not, because what you will find out is not everybody that's a vet was good at one point in time. Well, that's fair. Yes. <laughs> I think we can agree that sometimes that word is thrown around uh, and one they, match they talk about years a, is not the same. <laughs> yeah. They talk yeah, about was, vets. They Go say someone is a vet because of, of years in, not because of they not because they were good. Right. Olivia, what were you about to say? Oh, what you I've saying? Ex- I've, I've ran into a couple of people who claim to be vets until they realize I've actually been wrestling longer than them, but they weren't as good. Like I, I wrestled this one woman, her name's Spider Queen. She's claimed she's been wrestling for 10 years, but when you she wrestled these outlaw plays, that's where she trained. And the promoter at this promotion has been trying really hard to get her to get better, but she's so stuck in her ways that no matter what any person in front of her that's better than her tell her, she will try to argue with you. She tried to bully me at one point. I had to let her know I, I'm not the one. Then she changed her tone and she realized that she couldn't bully me. But even when we got into our match, we, I thought maybe we were on the same page and she decided to do what she wanted to do and the match was terrible because she refused to change. So, I mean, it's you, you're going to run into them veterans who claim to be veterans and they really aren't as good as they claim and then they try to, to give you advice on what you can do better you're like what you talking go about <laughs> go ahead dm so again like i said i would say i'm so fortunate like one of my biggest inspirations even from before i started wrestling like being a kid from the, like this this part of the east coast like black g's that's my uncle like from day one like I tell people that's one of my trainers he wasn't officially a trainer at the school but I just talked to him yesterday um he told me from the jump like look it's a lot of cats where we where we reside this PA Jersey New York loop who tell you they have 10 years in but it's 10 years and like four miles they ain't doing nothing they ain't been anywhere like look at where you're at like you, you got to filter through a lot of that stuff. Like first and foremost, you got to know who you're going to. You can't, I don't like at this point taking advice from people who I don't feel like I can relate to as a person because our experiences are going to be way different. Like there've been so many times where guys will be like, yo, yours was terrible, it was trash, it was garbage. But I'll go ahead and send it to homicide. He's like, all right, bro, you did your thing right here. I would critique this a little bit, but all the rest of it was cool. And it's just like, all right, so Homicide's telling me this. We're on this little small show together, and you're saying it was absolutely terrible. You're purposely trying to tear me down. And I just went out and watched your stuff. And, bro, we're, you probably shouldn't have opened your mouth. And so, one thing for me, like I said, I've always, always taken from G's and specifically Maven Bentley, who Oh, it's just like, just take it, 
you know, understand who's giving information, just ciphering through. Because not everybody's done everything. You can have 20 years in, and in 20 years, if you've worked the same three places, how much value is it to the information that you're giving? So for me, that's something I, I, I just keep now. Like, I'm gonna listen to what you say because there's always something from everybody. But the critiques, if you have only critiques and nothing positive to say, oh, I'm gonna look at your resume. What have you done to warrant what you're saying? That's, yeah, that's a good thing. I, I think of, a lot of people should of, take under advisement. Would you say, Ellie? I kind of think anybody that's willing to tear you down like that, it's not constructive criticism. Right. Um, I've had people, they always, you know, they always told me, ask a vet to look at your match. I never really did that. Um, because I, I sit back and watch people anyway. So I watch what they do. And if there's something in the ring that I see you do and you fall through what I call a loophole, I'm not asking you for shit. If I see you, I hit you with a, a hell, if I've been in there with you and I go to hit you with this damn clothesline, man, I'm 6'5", 400 pounds, and you float bump, bitch, I'm not asking you nothing. If you can't snap bump, I mean, I'm taking it back to basics. If you don't know the snap bump on a knockout punch, come on, bro. I mean, it's, it's, it's feelings and ways, and if you watch what they do, and, you know, and a lot of them, when I came in, they were trained in the 80s. You know what I mean? Because I was in 2000. So a lot of these guys that had 10 years in were starting in 90. You know what I mean? Being trained by guys that, were, that started in the 80s. So they still were doing the Hogan, pulling them off, sending them. Everybody's going to the ropes. Everybody's hitting and setting up moves instead of spinning out of something and setting it up off, off the fly. Um. So you, I feel, I feel him on that. Um, but when you come to somebody, a lot of them will tear you down on purpose because they see the star that you are and that you're getting ready to walk into. And they want you to stay right where you are. And they think they want you to do well, but they just don't want you to do better than them. Right. So, I mean, cause I've had people come to me, you know, this whole, this whole thing, Oh well, don't do this, don't do that in a in a, in a match before the before the main. I I do understand the, the I understand the outline of a show. I understand how you want to do it, but you're not going to be able to contain what I do. Yeah, I might not want to use your finish, but let's be real. At one point in time, everybody was using a spine buster, everybody was using a super kick, everybody was using a variation of different suplexes. So you're telling me I can't use this in the first, the second, third match because this veteran is supposed to be in the main or the person is supposed to be in the main. I think a lot of that, um, oh, you did, you, you, you know, your, your match was trash. I think a lot of that is you made him have to step his game up. You made him have to do more in his match. He wanted to go out and talk for 20 minutes and then go out there and hold somebody for a while, spin out of something, one, two, three, and it'd be over with. But now you have raised the bar. Now he has to come out. And all these little kids and all the fans that are out there, if he wants them to chant it, if, they, if he wants those people, he's going to have to come and get them. And I don't get mad. At, I don't get mad at the younger guys when they go out there and do things. And actually, I tell older guys when I'm talking to them, 
you keep calling these guys spot monkeys. I was trained to do spot. Spots move, move you from and transition you in matches. They help you in matches. So if you can't, if you can't run spots, if you don't want to remember a spot, you're lost right now, bro. You need to, you know, you need to sit on the sideline. Period. Yeah. But, so, so as wrestlers, we have, especially black wrestlers, we have the unique layered experience of having to often compete in areas that are not saturated with other black wrestlers, but there is the scarcity of having representation, but there's also the fear of having too many black people on a show. So that weird mix of you don't have enough black people, but you also won't book me on your show because you don't want to have too many black people. Like how living in that space as a performer and as an artist, how do you all, you know, deal with that mentally going from place to place, especially working in new areas? DM, I'll throw it to you and then Olivia. All right, for me, my first thing is I don't compete with anybody. That's my number one rule, especially not a black person. I'm not competing with you. I would much rather, like, if it's got to be you or me, I make enough money in my real life to do what I got to do to facilitate what I want to do. I have other skills. I may not, you know, if one of us got to have a match, you take it because I want you to shine because I'm going to find my shine elsewhere. I'm too good at too many things to not get that shine. So for me, if it's got to be one, go ahead. By all means, have it. So there's never a reason for me to have to backbite. There's no reason for anybody to have to backbite off of me because I got the receipts I, for years. Go ahead, this, you know, so-and-so, so let him have it. Let him have it. Let her have it. I'm cool because I'm still going to show up and be the blackest me that I'm going to be. So a lot of times I, I'll just show up and, 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 and in my presentation is enough. Like, so I, I never felt the need to like, oh, it has to be one of us. Like my mind doesn't even focus like that. Like I want us all to do well. So that means I gotta take a step back for you to be cool. That's just what I gotta do. And we'll figure out the rest from there. I'll get an opportunity somewhere, somehow. And that's just that at this point in this juncture of my career, that's where I'm at and that's my direction. Like I've been pulling myself off the shows recently, just like, you know what? I think somebody else is a better fit. And that's just me and being torn down and being in that situation for so long. It could only be two black guys, or if it's two of y'all there, we're gonna put y'all together, or y'all gotta face each other. And it just, for me, it's no, just let him get his shine, let her get her shine. Cause like I said, give me a mo, all I need is a moment. It don't matter when that moment happens. All I need is one moment. And I promise you, it's enough space for both of us at that point or however many. And that's just how I operate. So, and I know that's a little bit different than how a lot of people take it. That's just where I'm at. So Olivia, working in those same parameters, but not really focusing on the competition uh, that is presented between us, but in the larger aspect of indie wrestling, who is booking and making those decisions and how that is set up. How do you work within that space well the thing is for women there's not really a lot of us it's like there there is like women are more and more women are coming up but we're so spread out so a lot of promoters are just trying to get whatever woman they can get at this point but i have came across where 
where like a promoter, you know, booked me first and put me on the flyer. But then they got another girl. She just happened to be white. And I noticed I was removed. And she was put in the same spot I was in. And I was like, you know, uh, and I actually reached out to him at first and I deleted it before he even got to look at it. Because I was like, you know what? It is what it is. I don't want to cross that situation a whole lot. But in my head, regardless, I, one, I don't compete with nobody either. I compete with myself. So I don't, I don't really worry about stuff that anyway. I just know that, you know, when I first started, uh, Jake Manning used to train and he flat out told me when I first started that the two things I'm going to be facing is the fact that I'm a woman and that I'm a black woman. And that's something no one's ever said to me before. So, you know, and that was like three or four years ago. So fast forward, I found myself into certain situations like that. But by then I was already kind of prepared. I was like, okay, this is what he's talking about. So I, mentally I'm already aware and prepared to run into an issue where I might not get booked up. They might pick somebody, but then I also tell myself that maybe they don't want to use me so much to the point where I'm overused. So, you know, maybe somebody else's turn or maybe they're going a different direction. So I don't try not to allow myself to think, you know, in that way. But the one thing I do focus on is if I do get booked on that show, especially if I'm the only black female there lots of times um, in the crowd, you know, it could be predominantly white, but there's always going to be a few black people out there. Right. and or little black girls and I, I one thing I go over beyond is to try to get their attention because I know that I because that's how I got into wrestling I saw Brooke T's wife on there and even though she you know she was what she, you know okay of a wrestler it still caught my attention that I saw something that, that I can relate to at least I felt you know I can relate to so in my eyes right. when I go out and perform and I see little girls out there and they, and they cheer for me so I feel like well they're looking at me so I got to perform at my best so they know that whether I'm a male or a female, I can be just as good. And I want them to think they can do the exact same thing, you know, be the best you can be no matter what you are. And not to allow nobody to make you feel less than just because you're a woman. So, you know, I try, I try not to, I don't think about something in that aspect because there's nothing I can do about it. All I can focus on and control is what I do and how I stand out. And like, you know, like he said, I'm gonna stand out regardless. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to get somebody's attention no matter what. And if it's meant for me, then it's going to happen. So I'm not about to trip about that. So that's just honestly my mindset majority of the time. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get booked. I'm just trying to perform. And I'm just trying to grow. That's all I really care about. Ali, same question to you. You know, I, to be real, I, I have never felt like I from the beginning when I first came out of training and, it, and they told me, hey, you're gonna go places and there's only gonna be room for one person, one black guy or whatever. This person's gonna be jealous of you. Be, like I heard of it, so I, I was aware of it, but I I never ran into, um, and I don't, I don't know, I don't know why I never ran into that. Um, the most was in the Fayetteville area, to be real. Uh, but then when I started doing shows outside of there and going different places, it was just, they booked you on talent, you know what I mean? They booked you on what you, who you could work with and who you would work well with. And I looked at it like it was a skillful thing. Um, but I never felt the competition even with the white guys because I was already, I was already looking at myself and hard on me. So I worked on me and my craft every single day. Like, that was something that um, I was just gonna do. So when I went out there, it was nobody that I felt was gonna was gonna outperform me. So 
if they if I if somebody didn't want to book me, um, then they didn't book me. But you know, Ronnie, I'm like the I'm like a Sasquatch. Somebody would be like, "Did I see Ollie over here?" You know, I'm like I thought I saw him, and, but I'm here and then I'm and then I'm gone. Like I don't I don't do all that hanging out. I don't do all that extra stuff. It's just I'm here. I'm gonna put on the best show, and I'm and you know for years, man. I don't know what the hell was the problem. People would tell me to kind of, hey, I'm gonna put you in a smash match with this guy. I hate smash matches, man, because I don't need to beat somebody up. I mean, I I can do it. You know what I'm saying? It's not even an issue. But if I get in there with some young guy who's trying to, he's an up and comer. Why would you smash this star? Why would you do it? I don't understand that. Like, so I wouldn't even tell the promoter. I'd be like, oh, okay, all right, cool, that's cool. And then we would go out, and me and that, that young guy will go at it, and the dude in the back, the promoter, would think I tried to kill him. But he would be like, man, he was fighting you back. Damn, that's learn what, what this is. Learn what we're doing. Learn your craft. That's what he was supposed to do. You know, and you work and you dance together. Like, I never worried about... Um, Oh man, he's on this show. Okay, that's fine. You better not get in there with me if he wants to bullshit. Because <laughs> you know, I told you right off get go. You know what we do. And hell, I don't worry about how many black people on the show anyway. You see, I bring four of us. Right. <laughs> every show, I try you, to up you, the numbers. Your car is the quota, essentially. So. <laughs> hey, but when you know you what? Everywhere up. we go, they try to put they try to put the other black guys against me or against <laughs> us. They try to do that everywhere, man. And you know what I do? I tell the fellas, listen, these young guys here, they're up and comers. We're going to make them look as good as possible. Because we're already, we, look, man, I'm, I'm two weeks from going and getting in a wheelchair. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not about to be in this, running around in some spandex for, for the next 20 years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to polish as many people up, pass as much knowledge on as I can, and watch these guys blossom and go to shows, period. So speaking of blossoming, um, the changes, I guess, that have occurred within wrestling from when all of us started and the resources that are now available, especially post-COVID and, well, I guess we're technically still in COVID, but uh, post-lockdown, there we go, um, really brought a lot of mental health things to the surface. And so we all know mental health is our wealth. And again, as wrestlers, we have to wrestle with our real life issues as well as anything interpersonal or interpersonal that's going on at the shows we go to and the places we work for. So coming into this new era of wrestling, and I'm kind of saying maybe, you know, 2010s on, what do you guys feel are some of the things that have helped you as a black wrestler to balance the work-life situation as well as your mental health, which does take a hit. Um, I'll start with Olivia. Well, for me, honestly, when all lockdowns happened, I was at my best. I'm an introvert, so I was doing real good. And plus I work from home, you know, so I was fine. When the gym shut down, that's kind of, I was like, uh. and then, you know, at that time before everything shut down, I was just getting my feet back. I had suffered a knee injury like the year before and I was out for seven months. So <clears throat> by the time February came around, I was finally starting to get my name out there. I was finally getting all these bookings I've been working so hard to get. 
just for everything to shut down. So that that bit depressed me because of that. <clears throat> but I just told myself, okay, well, I'm just going to, I just started going to a track at this elementary school down the street from my house because I was determined to gain weight and I was trying to keep myself focused. So I went to the track almost every single day running. I started fasting and started trying to drop weight. But the one thing that did happen to me is I was in a really bad car accident. And I, like literally, it was like June 14th, I got into a really bad car accident, almost died. A girl, I was, because I drive a little Uber and Lyft on the side. I took a month off when everything shut down and I went back because I just, I needed money. And, you know, I was in a bad car accident. A girl died, her baby was injured. I, that was traumatic for me. And mm. then I, I had to go see therapy because, you know, my family were not support for that at all. And then on top of that, a girl literally died behind me. So now I'm dealing with survivor guilt, which I still deal with. So I, you know, I started seeing the therapist. I started reevaluating my life. I saw a psychiatrist on top of that. I just really was determined to get my health back on track because I just love wrestling so much. I just refused to let it, you know, get me down. But I did find myself in situations where I was like, am I too old? I'm 30 at this point. You know, I'm not 21 anymore. You know, maybe, you know, I, I found myself questioning my, my age, my abilities, but I guess once I started seeing a therapist, it really started diving into not only, you know, that aspect, but I started diving into my past because I started realizing I didn't deal with my childhood traumas, which was holding me back a lot. And then, you know, when I left the place I was for nine years, the way I left was very traumatizing too, because I was attacked basically. I went through, it was a bad, it was terrible. So I never dealt with that. And, you know, for some reason, I just didn't realize I never, I'm, I'm the type of person that get, I can get past something but I didn't get through it. And there's a big difference. Right. So I can just keep pushing and not even pay it no mind, but I'm not really actually dealing with the emotional part behind it. So it was so much I was trying to fight and I had to realize I'd stop fighting and just deal with it. And once I did, I found that my peace, I, you know, I found myself at peace with a lot of things. And once I found my peace, I found my confidence. I found my self-worth. I found a lot of things that I didn't realize how much I didn't really value myself. I didn't realize how much I was sacrificing for the people who didn't care about me. And then I find myself getting upset because I'm such a nice person that I'm just always willing to help. I'm always willing to, you know, do whatever I can to get people. That's just who I've always been. But that's also a curse. It's like a, it's like a blessing and a curse to be like that. And at this point now, I'm still at peace. I, but I've also learned that I could be a nice person all day long, but I still got to pay attention to myself. I got to make sure that I put myself first so yeah, I don't mind helping people out. I give advice all day long, but I'm gonna take care of me first. I'm gonna make sure I get myself out. I'm gonna promote myself. I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna book for myself. I'm gonna make sure I get my pictures. I'm, I'm gonna work on my promos. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm focused on me. So you know, I, you know, I feel like the pandemic either made you realize some things, or you just are just being stubborn. But I, I took I took the reality checks that I got from, and I think the accident really what helped me view it too. But the pandemic prior to that accident also started making me realize I need to be more motivated. This is a lot that I, I don't know. Even that year and everything and recovering and <clears throat> finding that motivation and you know learning patience on top of that because sometimes you get so motivated you get eager and but then you're like what's well, not happening fast enough what's going on and you got to tell yourself okay your time's going to come when it's supposed to so just slow down and focus on what you can do instead of focusing on what you can't do kind of thing so. Yeah, it, it was it was an experience. It was a yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, was I'm sure. Ali, what about you? You've come from a different generation, so I know that you've probably had to utilize different tools to kind of 
um, come from what you were taught in terms of what the reality is now. So what about you? Well, I've never been a lack, had a lack of confidence. (laughs) Um, But when I hit 40, oh gosh, when I hit 40, I was kind of like her. I started, I was like, oh man, can I, oh, I'm getting too old for this, man. I need to just kind of retire to a, uh, to a rocking chair. Like, what in the world? I'm going to shows, man, and these young cats are kind of remembering, and they're like, Ali, can we do this and do that? I'm thinking, oh, boy, my knees and back hurting right now, baby. But I used to be able to roll that off my off my shoulders, man, but I got to. I started, I started having anxiety because I was like, dude, I can't. I was always in the gym, man. So I was always strong as damn. I could move for, for being 350, 375, like I could move. And and ooh, I said, damn, I'm just one one day in the ring, I just kind of was like, oh shit, I'm just a fat man now. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? I need to get out of this. But um I had to, I had to really really um do some soul searching and i actually went to therapy for for a couple weeks man and um i started realizing the you know what my therapy is and what i've realized after talking to that counselor um is just passing this on you know what i mean you see guys that are young that are out here trying to get it and they're encountering people that are counterproductive so Mm -hmm. they're 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 getting all this information from like she says outlaw schools, um, but these people are giving them information, man. And I'm thinking, why are you telling this young guy this? Like, you're gonna have him burning bridges before he even gets going. Like, so my therapy and the way I keep my uh, my sanity right now is actually just passing this shit on, man. Talking to people, my my inbox stays popping, man. Um, because there's guys out here, man, just have people. Um, yeah. In general, they just have questions. They, they go sit in locker rooms and promoters say certain things to them. And you're like, hey, they're like, hey, um, am I supposed to do this? You know what I mean? And I'm having to explain to him this, man. You know, he's a promoter. It's actually his show. So if this is what he wants. You only can, you control you. Right. You're not under contract. You're not, you're not, you know, one of those. Uh, promotions that that have made you sign a contract. So what you bring here, he booked you for it. So if he thought your your persona or persona fit his his show at the time, that's he already knows what you do. If he wants you to go under, we don't we don't track wins and losses anyway. So yeah. you go out there, and it's not about wins and losses. It's about how you perform, how you did it. Did you swerve the crowd? Did you get the Did you get the story told? So. Let's not look at it from that. You know, you try to give them, you know, all these, you know, little bullets to go in. But um, that's my therapy, man. Um, and actually, I feel great now that I actually am able to talk and like I'm. I actually reinvigorated myself for like I don't know how much longer, but I'm motivated now. I kind of want to go out here and do this King Silverback thing now. Okay. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's. It's. I didn't realize how much mental health was is such a large thing. Um, right. Like I said, I never had anxiety before. 
never had anxiety. And then I woke up one day and I was having, couldn't breathe. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? But wrestling in itself is my therapy because I was having anxieties going to, going to my shoot job and all this. Anxiety, but let that bell ring and the lights go out. All of a sudden, I'm not, I'm not anxious about anything. And then I realized my persona in the ring is so close to my real life person, other than being able to punch people in the face when I want to. Like if I just subtract that, and it's all confidence, which is mental health. You know, I realized that, um, you know, I, I push therapy too, man. If you can get it to a therapist, if you can actually talk to somebody, put it out there. Because I'm, I'm with her. I have stuff that um, I've, I've gotten through, but I did not take care of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm still being messed up by it. I got through it. And how, I don't even know how she said it, but it's wonderful how she said it, honestly. Um, but I said that you can get past it, but you got to get through it. Like getting past it to me is basically, you know, it happened. You can acknowledge it happened, but let's forget about it. It's in the back of your head. Let me just keep pushing versus getting through it where you acknowledge it happened. Let yourself deal with the emotional part of it and then finally getting past it. You know, you can't avoid so it. I didn't so I didn't get through it. I got past it. I got past it. I need to, I mean, I need look, to deal with it mentally. You, look how we were trained, though. Right. I mean, right. I, was, yeah. what? What are you talking about? Hey, we, we, hey, we were trained to get hit harder. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or hit somebody harder. Hit someone harder. You, know? you feel right. bad, hit them harder. You, right. You're scared, hit harder. You are sick, right. hit harder. Like, I, <laughs> DM, and, I'm going to throw it to you. <laughs> For me, like COVID was, uh, it was, it was a wake up call. I, I'll be completely honest. I was done, like done, 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 done. Like Ronnie, I think I had seen you. What maybe, like we like shut shut down in March. Maybe I saw you in December at the yes. the bullcrap. That <laughs> with me so much, like to the point where because I was brought in, I was like, all right, cool, we're here. Finally, it has taken eight and a half years. Here we are, finally. And for all of it to just be taken away, right? Right. On top of that, and then to now sit back and look, specifically, and again, I'm, you're going to be my example on this, and if you don't mind, like, you know, actually finally being able to bridge the introduction and realizing, oh, crap, I've met this young lady. Years before, and putting things together, in a vulnerable space for me and having to go back and look at my circle and go, yo, this is how my circle did folks like me. And I wasn't able to like, because I was so not even naive to things. So just hyper-focused, like ate me up so bad. And I was like, yo, I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore. This is not who I am as a person. Like, let me just, I don't have people like me that I can relate to. I don't really, like, I've had my circle of my Black folks that I came up with, Nate and Dave, I, you know, Strickland, all them. But they're all gone now. It's me. I don't have anybody else. Like, I don't have friends like that here because I'm protective of me. So maybe it's time for me just to 
I'm just going to fade away. And then shortly after with that George Floyd stuff happened and everything, and I had to, I made a statement and something and it blew up and I saw a need. I saw a need for people like me who aren't scared. At this point, at that point, I had nothing to lose. I already want to leave. And my therapy became engaging with our people. I didn't know we existed on the level that we existed on. And I began engaging and seeing these young Black dudes who are out here who I always say to people, I may not have a lot of wrestling stuff to give you, like as far as information and experience, like this is just, and that's my own insecurity speaking, but I got life. I've lived around the world. I've done so many things. And I can instill in you some stuff about life that you could take into wrestling. Like, and so for me, that even to this day has become a piece of like how I cope and how, what's kind of reinvigorated me to want to continue to do this. Because now I know all these bomb black people who are amazing, who are talented, who are out here killing it. And I'm just like, yo, never in this whole entire time that I've ever worked, been involved in wrestling, have I wanted, like specifically like, yo, I want to work with these people until I started meeting these young black folks who are out here doing it. I'm like, yo, these are the people I want to work with because we can create, we can do this crazy thing. And throughout all of that, I really started getting into my blackness, which has, again, been so helpful for me specifically as a person um, and really digging into who I am and kind of just being able to, to elevate. And I was able to transition. I had to change my whole wrestling name. So I was like, you know what? We're done. That old name that was given to me by those white men who did not care about me, who did me dirty, who have done my friends dirty and people like me dirty has to go. So like this whole process of reimagining who I am has been so helpful in, in like reigniting my love for wrestling and seeing people like me out here actually killing it and doing it has been like such like a great thing for, for my own personal like health and wrestling and just it makes me want to do it again because I'm not that I want to be on TV not that I want to do anything crazy it's just like, it's like I want to enjoy wrestling with these people and so for me that's kind of just been my my like COVID and you know post lockdown experience has just been watching black wrestlers flourish and just getting a contact high for that for me that's so awesome just getting that contact high just like yo y'all are out here and now we can we can talk about this stuff that I've been kind of been getting told I was being too loud about in the past. We can outwardly say this and it's not, you know what I mean? It's still a big deal, but now I got people that are going to uplift that I can uplift. For me, that's just been the move. Yes, very rewarding. Speaking of rewards, we're going to close out with uh, a wrestling game. I did steal this from another uh, wrestling YouTube channel. I don't care. Uh, it's called What's in the Box. It's actually a basket, but I feel like What's in the Basket sounds stupid. So we're just going to go with this. So inside is a bunch of stuff. I'm going to hold it up and you guys have to guess what wrestler is associated with which item. Uh, disclaimer, there are no actual drugs in the box. Uh, just putting that out there. Um <laughs> don't want YouTube to come after me. Um, 
Uh, but yes, some answers are very easy. Some could have three to four people. Uh, Sorg is going to keep uh, score, hopefully. Yes, maybe. Sorg. Sorg's keeping score. He's doing it. Uh, and so the person with the most points at the end, each correct guess is one point, uh, will win Moon Knight number seven. Uh, not plugging Disney Plus, but I am real excited to see that show because I actually love Moon Knight. So, so someone will win a fair to mint condition of Moon Knight. Uh, what did I say? Number four? Is it four or seven? I think it's four. It's going to be four or seven, guys, because I'm, look, I'm parting with my personal collection here. You know what I'm saying? So whatever the spirit says it's going to happen is what's going to happen but i promise you it's going to be like nice condition in the sleeve i'm going to send it to you when you win so we're going to get started i'm just going to randomly pick uh, a number between one and ten to see who goes first um dm seven okay olivia five and ali pick a number between one and ten two it was three. <laughs> You're really good at that. <laughs> okay, so I'm not gonna look. I'm gonna pick. First item is. Oh. Switchblade. What wrestler uh, would this be associated with? Razor Ramon. Oh, okay. Try again. Oh, okay. Um, Someone else can steal if you think you know. Yes, DM. Jay White? Maybe. No. Hmm. Olivia, you want to try? Oh, <laughs> I don't know what that was associated with at all. Okay. Um... In ring situation. Switch this person, this person was known to carry this item. They did not use it in the ring, but this person was known to carry this item on their person uh, and brandish, if maybe influenced. Deceased, I think, last year or year before. No one? Nope. Okay. The answer is New Jack. Oh, I've never seen him carry that before. Yes. This is. I didn't know that. You got to know. You got to know uh, stuff, obscure wrestling stuff. Okay. Next uh, item. I'm, I'm not. Uh, And the hint is this is associated with the name of a band they were in, but they have a connection to wrestling. I don't know his name is Smashing Pumpkins. That's correct. Can you give me the name? I don't know his name. 
I got the name, but DM, you can do name. You get a point for uh for the correct band, Ali. So you get Ali one. Corbin? Yes, very nice. So. <laughs> he he, he okay. did uh, NWA, right? Yes, very good. Yes. Okay, next thing. Oh, that's what I was talking about. But by the way, this is glitter, just so that we're clear. But it does represent cocaína. 50,000 people. <laughs> That's why I said some could be multiple answers. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to throw that away. Guys. Mm -mm. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Mm -mm. I was going to say Tammy, but, you know. I'm gonna keep Actually, that was one. So that's okay. one point for DM. Who was it? Tammy Lynn. There's there's multiple people though. I mean, Ali, do you want to guess? Olivia, do you want to guess for me one? Next pop. Oh. No. <laughs> Not for this one. All right. Next item. Pronounced mustache. Um, Bobby Rude or Rick Rude? Yes, a point for Olivia. Anyone else? I was going to say the Blackjacks. Who? The Blackjacks. Yes, very nice. You <laughs> got my obscure. Ali, do you want to guess who's got a pronounced mustache? There's a bunch. There's like eight. I reached out for this one. Aiden English, I had one like that too, I think. Stan Hansen. There we go. Nice. <laughs> Everyone gets a point for that one. So I hope you're keeping track of pointing. I'm really hoping that's what's happening. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is pumped AF pre-workout. This should be very easy. Stop uh, Yes, very good, yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, this one also has a multi-answer. Uh, uh, DM, so far you are in the lead. All right, this one has a multi-answer as well. Ooh, I think I got it, but I'll give you a chance. No, this is more on the nose than you think. Actually, Olivia, yes, I'll give that to you. That wasn't on my list, but I'll give it to you because I know why you said that. Ali, you better get one of these. That's what I was thinking also of those. DM, do you have another one? Um... Thunder Rosa, maybe the only other person I could think of. I'll allow Rosa it. Doesn't... I'll allow it. <laughs> Ali! <laughs> Ali! I'm, I'm going to be real. I'm kind of... <laughs> how do you get your... How do you get your... Um... Buddy Rose, Mandy Rose, Nyla Rose. You didn't want to do any of that? You don't want to no. do... No? Uh -uh. <laughs> Okay. This one's going to be hard and it's intentional. This is a tiny Buddha statue representing who is a Buddhist. Okay. Um, is he a Buddhist? I'll give you a hint. The person I'm thinking of is Impact Wrestling alumni. Is it Matt Seidel? Yes, DM. That's what I, okay. Well done. Nice. All right, guys, two more, last two. 
Um, this is a potato because I've actually cooked all the potatoes in my house. So I have this little hot potato. So this represents potato. Like getting potato? It could be that. It could be someone who had to eat potatoes to survive. It could be uh, the name potato from meat and potatoes, the old tag team. That one I'm not sure about at all. I have no idea. <laughs> Ali, I'm just DM, I'm what horrible. You got? I'm horrible at names, bro. And I remember somebody telling me a story about them having to eat potatoes to survive. And I, and I was trying to. I can't keep going. Keep the going. Name. Yes. Come on. Bald. I don't know the who. Bald vest. Drink beer. Bald. Uh, uh, I'm trying no, to help you. Um, oh my god! Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Very. <laughs> you shouldn't have had a spoon spoon feed that day. <laughs> I want I want the best for you. Okay, I want you to win. I do. Are you trying <laughs> to get me to win? I know that's fine. <laughs> DM, do you have one? You're winning right now, so I mean, um, no. Okay. <laughs> Good day. Well, Good DM, I appreciate you. I pressed it. Hold on, I'm so sorry. I, I. Oh, okay. Was that the hot potato game? Yes, uh, I was a preschool teacher coming. <laughs> okay, last one. Again, these aren't drugs. These are laundry crystals made to represent crystal meth. Oh. Well. Olivia, you already gave the answer. Actually. What Xbox? Boom. There we go. <laughs> I didn't know he was on meth. I thought he was on cocaine. He remember he got caught in the airport with the meth. Yeah. Well, there were other, you know, let's not get into the weeds on it, but <laughs> great job, everyone. The winner is DM. So you will get Moon Knight. Actually, do you want four or seven? So you can pick. Don't do that. All right. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Oh, guys, thank you so much for playing What's in the Basket. Oh, see, sounds so dumb. What's in the box with me? <laughs> and thank you so much for joining me for Sunday Sessions. As you know, Sunday Sessions are real raw conversations around issues that surround Black wrestlers, especially when it comes to mental health. That's not something that only wrestlers deal with. We all deal with that. If you can, please seek out therapy or mental health services if you're feeling like you can't cope and make sure that if at any point you're feeling not so great, you reach out to a support system if you have one. I will be putting a list of resources for North Carolina specifically in the description box of this video just to help anybody out who needs that. Um, I'm a big advocate for therapy, so uh, I am definitely a part of Black Girls Who Go to Therapy, yay, yay. Uh, and I recommend other people to do the same. I have been joined by the amazing DM kiddo, Olivia Devine and Ali Steele. I'm going to let them tell you their socials and how to find them before we close out. DM? All right, you can find me everywhere at DM Kiddo, uh, literally on all the platforms. Uh, or you can hit the website, heykidvicious.com, for art and cool wrestling-related and non-wrestling things. That's it. Olivia. I mean, you pretty much can find me all social sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think Instagram and Twitter is Olivia Divine Pro. And then Facebook is just Olivia Divine. I have a Facebook page and a wrestling page. So either one, you can reach me there. And King Silverback himself, Mr. Ali Steele, where can we find you? Um, on uh, Insta, 
I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok also, but everything is a dot steel. So you just look up a dot steel, you find me. I'm not on Twitter though. I still ain't wrapped my mind around it. We'll get you it'll there. Be out of, <laughs> hey, it'll it'll be out of style by the time I get on there. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being with me. I'm Ronnie Big Bang Nicole. Make sure you're following me and you hit that notification bell so that you don't miss a premiere of Sunday sessions. Remember, our very last episode is going to be live and it's going to be lit. Make sure you guys tune in. Thank you again for joining us. I'm Ronnie Big Bang. Peace, love, and wrestling. Mm-hmm.